This morning, we're going to talk about how to let go of control, because control is something that I believe we all wrestle with in some way, shape, or form, and it's a huge distraction in life. So let me ask you just a question, and I'm going to encourage everyone to participate in this, so you're going to have to raise your hand if this is you. How many of you, in big ways or small ways, can at times tend to be a control freak? If that's you, raise your hand. If you, everything in you wants to lean over and raise the hand of the person next to you, um, then you should have raised your hand. Uh, no, we, all, we all wrestle with wanting to control things, control situations, control people, control finances. We want to uh, control what someone orders at the restaurant. We want to control how they tell the story, right? They're telling a story. No, 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 that's not how it happened. Does it matter? Does it matter if the car was yellow or blue? No, it matters. Control, control, control. So like um, at work, some of you are like this. This is how I'm oriented. Like, I'd really like you to do this right. And if you can't do it right, i.e. my way, if you can't do it right, then just don't do it at all. I'll do it myself. Um, I do projects around the house and there's times it just happened recently. I'm muttering to myself, oh, see, this is why I can't ever ask anybody for help. Control freak. Um, you know, uh, some of you at home, right? You, the, there's a place, this is the saying that you live by. You order your life by this. There's a place for everything and everything in its place. And I'm the one who decides where the place for everything is. And I'm the one who makes sure everything puts everyone, everyone puts everything in the place that's supposed to be. And if you don't put it in the place where you're supposed to be, then we have a problem. Because you're a control freak. Um, but join the club. Listen, I mean, some of you, when you vacuum, right, you got to have the vacuum lines just perfect. Some of you are like, vacuuming doesn't matter. But mowing, now the mow lines matter. Where's Austin? Now Austin's like, yeah, come on. Yeah, that's right. My son, Lewis, where is he? I don't know, but he mows, and there he is waving to me. He said, wave to me, Dad. I said, I'll wave to you and eat your Ben and Jerry's tonight. Um, that's the price of getting a wave in church. But, you know, he does a great job, gets those mowing lines just right, uh, because it matters, it really matters. Some of us are like, um, hey, I don't care about mowing, and I don't care about, but you know what? what's important to me? It's that uh, when I'm driving, I just need to be in control. Some of you can't be a passenger in the car. You're sitting there in a passenger seat and everything, I've, I've driven with some of you and you're white knuckle, like everything in you wants to grab, you're doing this wrong. I can, I can drive better from the passenger seat than you. And if you don't grab the steering wheel and do that, what you're saying is slow down, 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 slow you're going too fast, speed up, speed up, speed up, speed up, pass them, pass them, pass them. Oh, you're tailgating, back up. There's a stop sign three miles ahead. Do you see it? It's tough. Some of you, listen, some of you can't even watch TV unless you're holding the remote. Are we going to change? We're watching a movie. It's three hours long. Yeah, but I need, need to hold the remote. You might not know when to adjust the volume. I mean, it gets too loud. It gets too quiet. I just need to hold the remote. You're watching a sports game. I got to hold the remote because when the commercial hits, I know what channel to go to to watch the other game for the 30 seconds that the commercial's on. You won't do it right. Right? I mean, we all have these tendencies to want to control things, and we can laugh about it, and, and some of these things are kind of insignificant in life. But the reality is that uh, our tendency to control, especially when it's to weightier matters, deeper things, reveals a, um, uh, an issue in our lives, a, a spiritual issue in our lives. And the spiritual issue is this. We tend to control because we want to be God. We want to decide how things are because what we fail to realize is we want to control how people do things, how they process things, how they handle situations because we think they're wrong and we're 
right. But we forget that God made everyone unique and different. And if we're right and they're wrong, it means God made them wrong because he didn't make them right, which means we want to be God. And so we have to learn that we need to find a way to let go of control. So I want to start this morning by reading a verse, very well-known verse from the Bible, actually two verses. Uh, probably many of you have heard them before. Uh, they're very well-known, but they're also very, 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 very difficult to walk out. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, I just ask you right now, as we hear these very familiar words, would you, by your Holy Spirit, help us to learn how to apply them to our lives and to live them out? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with everything in you, with every ounce of strength, with your entire heart. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't uh, gravitate towards wanting to control things, but trust God. With everything, in all your ways, submit to him, acknowledge him. In the Hebrew, the word that's translated that is know. Know him intimately. Know that he is involved in the intimate details of your life. And when you do that, he will make your path straight. This is very difficult for me. There are so many times I lean on my own understanding way too often. Why? Because I want to figure it out. I know the answers. I can do this. God, I've got this. But what is this verse telling us? It's telling us we can't even choose the path we're on, let alone make it straight, but God can. God is saying to you and to me, I want you to trust me deeper than you've ever trusted me before with everything in you. Why does he want us to trust him like that? Because he knows how he created us. He knows our tendencies. He knows our weaknesses. And our tendency is to constantly drift to control, to our own ways, to our own understanding. I call it the cycle of fear. Fear and control, fear and control, fear and control. It looks something like this. The more you exert control, the more you fear losing control. So you're trying to control the situation, people, your kids, your marriage, your business, your finances. You're trying to control it. And the more you try and control it, the more you're afraid that if you lose control, even a little bit of it, the things are going to spiral out of control. So what do you do? You fear losing control. So the more you try to exert control, it becomes a spiral. And we just try and control and control and control. And as we do that and we walk out this, this downward cycle, fear, control, control, fear, and on and on it goes, what happens is we push God out because we have to have everything within our arms. And it doesn't work. When we try to control situations, we rarely get it right. And we very often make things so I want to look at a, a story from the Bible, from the Old Testament, of, a, of control gone really, really bad. Like out of control bad, and it cost big time the decision that this man made. His name is Saul. He was the first legitimate king of Israel. And, uh, and last week we talked about King David. He was the king before King David. Uh, and and um, he's now been king. We're going to look at a story. He's been king for a couple of years. And, uh, and there's a battle that's, um, that's going to be happening between the Philistines and the Israelites. And, um, and Saul knew some things. See, about three, four hundred years before this, Moses was given by God the law. Uh, and, and part of the law had religious observations and things they needed to do in worship to God. 
And in that law, there were some things that were reserved, that were restricted to the priests and the prophets. It wasn't for anyone else to do. It wasn't for average, everyday, ordinary people. It was, it was reserved for them. And so even as king, this wasn't permitted for Saul to do. There are certain things he wasn't permitted to do, but there's a battle that's about to start, and he's getting freaked out. He's like, we're going to fight, and I don't know if we're going to win, and I want to win. And so he tries to grab control where he shouldn't, and it's a disaster. So we're going to pick this up in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we're reading five verses 5 through 14. I am skipping around a little bit in this. Every word isn't there, but this is the general idea. The Philistines also gathered to fight against Israel, 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and troops as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Saul was at Gilgal. Gilgal was the capital of Israel at the time. It was in Jerusalem. They hadn't taken the city of Jebus yet. It was still under uh, different um, people that were uh, controlling that city. David later on uh, delivered that city. That's why it became known as the city of David, Jerusalem. Uh, Saul was at Gilgal, and all his troops were gripped with fear. I mean, they knew the size of the army that was amassed against them. He waited for seven days the time that Samuel had set, but Samuel didn't come. And the troops were deserting him. Now, Samuel is the prophet of God. He is the last judge of Israel, and he is the prophet of God. He represents God. So Saul is waiting for Samuel, and Samuel doesn't show up. The troops are starting to desert. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And as he finished offering the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Samuel said, wait seven days. He didn't wait seven days. He waited and on the seventh day, he didn't want to wait anymore, so he took control of the situation. Saul went out to greet him, and Samuel asked, what have you done? Saul answered, when I saw the, the, the troops that were deserting me, and that you had not come within the appointed days, I thought the Philistines will descend on me, and I haven't sought the Lord's favor. He's spiritualizing it. So I forced myself. I took control to offer the burnt offering. Samuel said, you have been foolish. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, and the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. You would have had a long reign and your children after you, but now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart, and we learned last week that was David, man after God's own heart, because he would do everything God commanded him, but not Saul. He's found a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him to rule over his people. Why? Because you have not done what the Lord commanded you. So there's a lot in there, but there is a deep, deep, huge spiritual truth that I want you to grab a hold of. And I want you to just, if you don't remember anything else, remember this, because this is huge. And we're going to unpack this in, in Saul's life, but it comes down to this. Here it is. Do not, do not, do not take control of something that is not yours to control. The offerings, the sacrifices weren't for Saul. But he refused to obey the command of God. He took control of something that wasn't his to take control of, and it cost him his reign. He's now known as a failed king. He went out to, to just do horrible things, falsely accused people, tried to have them murdered. He was just, it was awful. Why? Because he wouldn't walk in the ways of God. He wouldn't follow God's commands. He tried to control things that weren't his to control. Now, most of us are never, ever, ever going to be tempted to uh, go and offer a burnt sacrifice to God outside of his commands. If you are tempted to do that, then um, please come talk to me. Um, no, that's, that's not something we're going to face in life. But what I promise you is this. At some point, 
when life isn't going how you wanted it to go, when things aren't happening the way you wanted them to happen, when all the things aren't lining up the way you think they should, you're going to be tempted to take control. I don't know what it's going to look like, but that temptation is going to come. So let's say, for example, you're single and you love the Lord, you're a Christian, and you know that the Bible tells us that we shouldn't be involved in a relationship, a romantic, a, a, a going towards marriage relationship with someone who doesn't share our faith because it's not going to go well. The Bible calls it, don't be unequally yoked. You know that, but there's, there's just nobody good out there. And so you're tempted to take control because she is just so beautiful. And he gets me. And we have so much in common and we're happy together. And doesn't God want me to be happy? And you're going to be tempted to take control. Or in your finances. Like maybe finances are just tough right now and things are, you have a hard time paying your bills. And you know that the Bible tells us that you're supposed to return to God the first 10% of your income. Back to the local church, it's called the tithe. But that's a huge step of trust. I mean, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's a huge step of trust. But you also know that that opens up your life for God to pour out more and more blessings into your life. But you're tempted to take control, to say, I, I want to do that, but I can't do that now. I'll do it later. Once I do it my way, once I control the situation, I get my finances under control, then I'll do it God's way. And what you fail to remember is that you're where you are because you've been doing it your way. And you've refused to do it God's way. But you're going to have these temptations to take control. And you have to say, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not take control of something that doesn't belong to me. It's not mine to control. So here's what I'd like you to do right now. Just close your eyes. And I want you to think, group participation, I want you to think about an area. It could be more than one, but just try and narrow it down as best as you can to something you're trying to control. It could be uh, your children. It could be a situation. It could be um, uh, some relationship. It could be your adult children because you're trying to control how they're raising your grandchildren and you don't agree with it. So you're trying to control. Just, just name it. Just identify it. I'm trying to control this person, this situation, this circumstance. Put a name to it. Now, some of you are right now, you're sitting there, you won't close your eyes, and you're saying, I'm not doing this stupid thing. So I'm just telling you, that's an indication that you have a control problem. So you can just name this. Um, but name that, okay? So now you can open your eyes. Keep that in your, in, your, in your mind. Because what I want to do is I want to look at three questions you can ask yourself in light of an area where you're wrestling with control. You're trying to control it, and you know God's telling you to let go of control, but you're having a hard time. So three questions you can ask yourself that will help you learn how to let go of control. So here's the first question. Does this issue really involve me? Does this really involve me? Is this really about me, or is it about someone else. See, in Saul's case, here he is, and, and where's Samuel? Samuel's not here. I, I, I have to do something. The issue wasn't Samuel. It, he needed to just say, hey, the Philistines are amassing. Samuel said he's going to be here. This issue doesn't really involve me. I know ancillary, in some ways it involved him, but he had to say, it's not 
mine. It doesn't really involve me. And this is so incredibly difficult for many of us. So uh, for me, in my life, okay, let me take it out of the relation. We're going to go back to relationships in a moment, but take it out of the realm of relationships. Let me talk in terms of if you're in leadership or uh, in some type of role um, in an organization. Uh, so as a pastor, I have certain responsibilities. And I know this is hard for you to believe, but there are things, I won't even say many things, but you know, more than you would probably uh, think, that I don't always like, that don't go the way I want them to go, that aren't done the way I think they should be done. And I could walk through this building and go to ministry leaders and go to volunteers and go to staff and say, change this, change this, do this better. Why are you doing it this way? I don't like this. You need to do it this way. I could do that. But what I have to do as a pastor and as someone who wants to see people in this church grow is I have to exercise godly wisdom. See, my responsibility is to empower people. So instead of demoralizing them, telling them all the things they're doing wrong, I want to empower people by shining a light on what they're doing well. You're doing a great job. It's like pouring gasoline on a fire. It burns hotter and it burns brighter. Are there times where you have to say, hey, these aren't the standards that we want to operate to? You're not operating in a level of integrity that we're called to operate? Are there times where you have to uh, deal with some things? Yes, but more often than not, if you praise people, you're going to get a better result. Yes, there are ways in which I would organize things different. I would structure things different. I would communicate different. I would set things up different. But I'm just, I want to empower the people in this church to use their gifts, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and not say, I just want to do everything that Justin thinks we ought to do, how he thinks we ought to do it. That's, so if you're in that kind of role, here's what you can remember. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. See, Saul could have grown in his relationship with God. Saul could have grown in his trust of God, or he could try and control the situation. But he couldn't have both. He tried to control the situation, and God said, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your kingdom. Now, let's put it back in the context of relationships. Um, in your relationships, you can, can try and control situations. You can try and control people. You can, can try and control what they do and how they do it. But what it will do is it will destroy the intimacy in your relationship. So you can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have both. Saul could have had greater intimacy with God. God Saul could have had greater confidence. As people would have had greater confidence in him. He would have grown in that relationship. His, his troops would have trusted him or he could control the situation. But you can't have both. So does this really involve me? Does it really matter? So listen, here's a, here's a little glimmer into the world of Justin. So you can ask my wife, does it matter how towels are folded? It does to me. It I mean, I open up that linen closet and I go, why? Why are they folded that way? But does it really? See, I could go and freak out and slam the door, run down the stairs and tell her how ridiculous it is that you didn't fold them this way and you folded them that way and it's wrong and what's the matter with you? But I'm going to destroy the intimacy in my marriage and the depth of relationship over something that doesn't really matter. It's ancillary. In five years from now, is it going to matter how the hand towels are folded? Nope. Some of you are saying yes. Yeah, control freaks. All of you, join the club. Um, no, we, we have to, does it really matter? Okay, for some of you, um, you, you just got to say, that it's, 
It's not essential. It's five years from now. So some of you have, have kids, and you're convinced if I let them leave the house and their shoes are untied, if, if, if they're wearing that shirt, if they have that tat, oh, if they get that hairstyle, their future hangs on the balance, the college they're going to get into, they're going to end up on the streets and destitute if I let them walk out of the house like this. No, you're just trying to control things. Listen, if they want long hair, they have long hair. If their shoes aren't tied, they'll learn. Or get them Velcro. Um, yeah, if they want to, yeah, there's just things we want to control. This is what matters. That's not what's going to matter. What's going to matter is the depth of your relationship. And you can, do, you can destroy the intimacy in your relationship over something that doesn't really even involve you. For some of you, you get in the car and, oh my gosh, French fry on the back floorboards. I, I just cleaned the car. How could they leave French fries there? My kids are like, Dad, you're talking about you. Um, but you know what I've learned? Because all my kids are, you know, my youngest is 16 now. The French fries on the floor didn't matter. You know what I miss sometimes? The French fries on the floor. And I could freak out about a French fry, on the, French fry on the floor and miss the greater truth. But those things don't matter that much. So at some point, you have to say, does this really involve me? Or is it ancillary? Why am I trying to control this? Why does it matter so much? And if it doesn't, then God, I'm going to trust you in this situation. I'm not going to freak out about it. Here's the next question you ask yourself. Is this issue really mine to control? So here's Saul, and, and the Philistines are amassing against him. And he did have a response. See, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes there is something that you're supposed to do in that moment, and Saul was supposed to do something. Saul was supposed to inspire the troops. He was supposed to rally them. He was supposed to echo the words of Joshua, who said, listen, we're going to be strong and courageous. We're not going to be terrified. God is with us, and Samuel's not here, but Samuel's coming, and he represents God, and we don't need to be afraid. We just need to wait, wait, wait on the Lord. That was his responsibility. But instead, he took control of something that he shouldn't have taken control of. See, what you have to know, what I have to know, what we have to remember is when it comes to letting go of control, it doesn't mean that we still don't have a responsibility. Surrendering control does not mean relinquishing responsibility. Saul had a responsibility, and sometimes you do as well. So your finances, like you spent and spent and spent and spent and spent, and you've got a mountain of debt. And you're going to say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender control to you. I'm going to put you first in my finances. I'm going to order my finances the way you asked me to order my finances. You're going to surrender control, but you don't relinquish responsibility. You still have to pay your bills. You still have to work. You might have to get a second job. You may have to put a budget in place. You may have to adjust your spending. You may have to do all kinds of things because you have a responsibility, but you don't have to take control. So your marriage is struggling. You don't just say, well, God, fix my marriage. You pray. You don't get bitter. You don't get resentful. You make an appointment to go talk to a counselor or a therapist. You join a connect group and say, how do I get around people who can help me and encourage us to get through this hard time? You're struggling with emotional uh, hurts and traumas from the past, things that have happened to you. You have a responsibility to get help, to overcome that 
bondage that you're facing, to overcome that addiction, do whatever it takes, take responsibility, but let go of control. Say, God, I can't fix all this, but I have a responsibility to do something. So ask yourself, does this issue really involve me? No, it doesn't. Okay, let go. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Is this something that I really am responsible for? If not, let it go. If it is, take the appropriate responsibility, but don't try and control everything. And then you, ask, you have to ask yourself the last question, and it's this. Does this issue really belong to God alone? This is where Saul fell. God made it clear. The sacrifices and the offerings belong to God and God alone. His representatives on earth, the priests and the prophets, it's not for you. Yes, you're king, but it's not for you. God, this is yours alone. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to grab hold of that responsibility. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And there are times when God and you, you, God will ask you or you'll look at a situation and say, God, this is yours. This isn't mine. So how do you say, God, I give this to you through prayer? Through turning to God and saying, God, I give you my marriage. I give you my children. I give you my finances. I give you this situation. God, I trust you with everything in me, with my whole heart. I'm not going to grab control, lean on my own understanding, do it my own way. I want to know that you're intimately involved in this situation. And God, I trust you to do something. And whatever God does or doesn't do, he promises to give you something great, grace and supernatural peace. Here's what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Do not worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need, always giving thanks. And God's peace, which is greater than we can understand, will keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. See, what that's saying is when you turn to God in prayer, you can say, God, I trust you with everything in me. I trust you in this situation. I don't know what you're going to do, but I know that this situation belongs to you. And when you do that, all of a sudden God says, I'm going to give you something that's beyond your even ability to grasp, my peace, my grace. So you're going to be going through something and someone's going to say, how could you walk through that? How could you endure? How could you, are you okay? And you say, yeah, I don't, I can't even explain it. I can't explain in what I'm going through that is so incredibly hard and hurtful and painful how I can have peace. But my heart and my soul and my spirit are being guarded by the peace of God, the peace that passes understanding. I can't even explain it. See, when you let go of control, God will always give you something better. See, we think if I can control it, I'm going to like the outcome. But for most of us, that doesn't work. So we try and control it more and more and more. And the outcome's still not what we want. But if we say, I'm going to let go of control, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to walk in the responsibilities that I have, but I'm going to surrender control. God says, now I'll give you a peace that passes understanding. And it's greater than what you could possibly imagine. That's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for me. That's what he wants for all of us, to unclutter our lives from our neurotic impulse to want to control everything. So your spouse is making some really bad choices. And you think, I can control my spouse. I've got news for you. You can't. You can try. 
And for a while, you can, you can use manipulation, you can tease them, you can mock, you can withhold things. And you may eventually, uh, over a brief period of time, get them to change things, but it's not going to last. They may change their behaviors for a day, a week, a month, but eventually, all you're going to do is drive them crazy and drive them away. And they're going to grow to resent you. But what you can say is, God, I cannot control my spouse. But you can. God, I trust my spouse to you and you alone. Because they're not mine to control. I trust you with my whole heart. I'm not going to do this in my own understanding, in my own ways. God, make this path straight. So you're sick. You've got some disease or a friend, a family member, a loved one is struggling with some sickness. Here's what I can tell you. You can't heal them. I wish you could just snap your fingers and heal them. I wish I could snap my fingers and heal them. But you can't. What you can do is you can encourage them to eat right, to go see a doctor, to take supplements. What you can do is tell them how stupid they were for all the choices they made and they've got themselves into this situation. And if you'd have just done it the way I told you to, all these things you're going to say, it never happened to you. Or you can say, God, I can't control healing. But you can. You can bring healing. What you can do is you can speak life. You could stand on God's promises. You can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You could say, God, I'm going to exercise my faith and believe for healing because, God, I can't heal anyone, but you can heal everyone. So, God, I give my healing into your hands. I can't control my healing, but you can. I trust my healing. I trust their healing to you and you alone. With everything in me, with my whole heart, I'm not going to try and control this. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. God, direct my path. For some of you, you're trying to control your children's future. You're convinced that their future is going to go off the rails unless you intervene, unless somehow you make it better. But here, you need to know you can't control your children's future. What you can do is you can build a wall between you and your children where there's no relationship, there's no communication, and there's no trust. You have to get to the point and say, God, I can't control my children's future, but you can, God. You have a plan and a purpose for their life. You've created them for a cause, and I want them to walk in it. And God says, I want to teach them and lead them to walk and uh, pursue justice, walk in mercy, and have a heart of humility. God has a great plan for them, but you can't control their future. What you can say is, God, my children belong to you and you alone. I trust you with their future. I trust you with their lives. I trust you with my whole heart. And I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. God, direct their paths. So when you lean towards control, ask yourself, does this issue really involve me? If it doesn't, let it go. Ask yourself, is this really mine to control? Do I have a responsibility here? If you don't, let it go. And then ask yourself, God, does this issue really belong to you? And if so, then let it go. We have this tendency to want to control. But if we will learn, God, I'm going to trust you with my whole heart, with everything in me. God, I want to trust you more and more deeper. So you can, can try and control it, but it won't work. All it will do is clutter your life and make it more miserable. But if you will let go and trust God with those things, all of a sudden, his Holy Spirit will flood your heart, will flood your spirit, will flood your mind, will flood everything in you with his peace, a peace that passes understanding. 
And all of a sudden, instead of trying to control things, you say, I can walk in peace. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would begin to show us those areas where we're trying to control people, situations, circumstances. God, forgive us. Forgive me. I don't know anybody who doesn't wrestle with this in some area or another. So God, I'm asking by your Holy Spirit, show us those areas, show us those places and begin by your grace to change us. God, that that verse would just resonate in our hearts. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I won't lean on my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him as leader and Lord. And I know he's intimately involved in every situation that he will direct my paths and he will make them straight. God, I'm asking that you would do something great in our hearts. And right now as you're praying, if you would say, I, I know there's some things I need to let go of some areas of control that I need to begin to unwrap my fingers around because I've been holding on too tight and I just need to let those things go. If that's you, right where you are, if you just have the courage to raise your hand, say, there's some things I need to let go of. Heavenly Father, I pray for each hand that's raised. God, do a great work. Move in our hearts. God, help this not to be a message that inspires us and tomorrow we've forgotten about it. But God, pour it like concrete into our spirits deep inside of us. And that day after day, we would just remind ourselves, God, I trust you and you alone in this circumstance. I trust you and you alone with this situation. I trust you and you alone with this person. I trust you and you alone in this relationship. God, we can't change anybody. We can't heal anybody. We can't control anybody. But you can change anything. You can heal anyone. And you can set the course of a person's life. God, do these things. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to continue to celebrate God, sing a couple last songs. During this time, if you'd like prayer, maybe you raised your hand and you'd like some more prayer, we're going to have prayer teams up here. They'll pray with you. They'll pray for you. Maybe you just want to spend some time. We talked about that intimacy with God. And you say, I just want to come and get up here at the altar, come in and just kneel and just spend some time with God, then please feel free to do that. But don't let this moment pass because God just may want to do something great in your heart and in your life.